So as we've said, today is our 95th birthday. It's a good chance for us to be able to celebrate and uh, to be able to look back and to look around and to look ahead. And uh, I think we're in pretty good shape for a 95-year-old. Granted, we've had a bit of a facelift this week. We've had a little, uh, this year, we've had a little bit of work done, which has helped, uh, but I think we're in pretty good condition, which is great. And birthdays are this amazing time, especially, as I said to the kids, as you get older, where you have the opportunity to be able to look back You have some opportunities to be able to reflect about where you're at and you have the opportunity to be able to look forward. And so that's what we're going to spend some time doing in our message this morning. Part of why I love our anniversary services is because it does give us the chance to look back and to retell the story about how we came into being in the first place. And uh, particularly for people who are newer to our church, it's a really great reminder that this didn't exist all the time. This actually started because of a specific reason. So at the beginning of the 1900s, there was a new church plant in Mile End. They decided, the Churches of Christ decided that they wanted to plant a church in Mile End, which is where the current Mile End Church of Christ is. Uh, and it very quickly grew into this healthy, thriving church uh, that was exploding at the seams. When we got to uh, the 1920s, there was a group of people who were going to Mile End who were from this area. So some people who lived in Brooklyn Park, in Lockleys and in Underdale and some in Torrensville as well, who started to pray and process about the idea of planting a church a little bit further over this way. And if you think about the 1920s, obviously everyone didn't have cars at that point. And so being able to walk to church somewhere that was close by, as well as being able to engage with the local community was something that was really, really important. And so on February the 10th, 1924, a group of people got together in the house of a family called the Arthurs to be able to talk about this idea of planting a church in Brooklyn Park. They got together, they spent some time talking about what that would involve and what that would look like. And three weeks later, on the first Sunday of March, 1924, they had their first communion service in the Arthur's home as an opportunity for them to start planning and processing towards planting our church. And so from that point on, through the rest of 1924, uh, they took some time to have communion every week, to gather together, to sing some songs, and to be able to get ready to plant. They then bought a pocket of land, this land that we're on right now. Uh, And then in July 1924, they built the first building, the first chapel that was on this space. And on October the 4th, 1924, the first service was held here at Brooklyn Park Church of Christ. And so on the first Sunday of October each year, we take the time to be able to remember that that happened. Now, what is amazing to me is that there were 35 people who planted our church. So that group of people who met in the Arthur home throughout 1924 grew to about 35. But at our first service here, there was 35 people, which is less than half the number of people who are connected in a significant way with our church family currently. And so I'm always really, really inspired by that. The sense of vision that they had, the sense of passion that they had, the sense of excitement that they had, that God could do something with them, even though there was only 35 of them challenges me and motivates me to say, well, what can we do with twice as many people as what originally planted our church? It's an amazing legacy that we've got. And so over the last 95 years, we have then been very active in our community. 
It's been one of the key things about us as a church is that we've always had a heart to look outside of our church building, to look outside into the community around us. And in particular, we've always had a heart for kids and for youth and for families. And so whether that has been playgroups, whether that's been kids clubs, whether that's been youth groups, whether that's been sporting clubs, all sorts of different sports, but especially basketball, netball and tennis, we've always had this passion to connect with the people around us. We've also had things like craft groups and other social activities that we've done that have been a significant opportunity for us to be able to engage with people and to help them to know why we're here. And so over the decades, we've got this amazing legacy that we inherit. And I know some of you have been a significant part of that. We don't have anyone who's been here since day one, as far as I'm aware, although Bill Green comes very, very close. <laughs> but... Some of you have been here for decades, and so today is an opportunity for us to say thank you to you for the legacy that you have given to us, those of us who are newer, the opportunity that we've got to be able to be in this space, because if it wasn't for your faithfulness over decades, your engagement with all of that, your heart, your passion, we wouldn't be here. And we know that you've got significant connections to lots of the people who have been around throughout those last 95 years. Lots of them aren't with us anymore but we still hold on to the memories of those people and the legacy that they have handed down to us. And so in the last couple of years, we've taken some time to just remind ourselves about why we're here as a church. We've taken some time to talk about when have we been at our best, when have we been healthiest. And out of that, we've come up with these three statements that we think really sum up who we are as a church. It's on our sign, it's on our sign outside, that we want to be a Jesus-centred Spiritual family who are seeing lives change. Jesus-centred spiritual family seeing lives change. And so birthdays are this great opportunity to be able to just say, oh yeah, that's right, that's who I want to be, that's what I'm all about, that's what I'm focused on. And so today we want to take a few minutes to remind ourselves about what these things mean and how they are the heart of us as a church. First of all, we're Jesus-centred. Ultimately, everything that we do as a church comes back to Jesus to his life, his teaching, his death, and his resurrection. At the end of the day, we just want to follow Jesus. We just want to listen to him. We want to learn from him. We want to be all about Jesus. And our passion and our heart is to help other people do the same thing, to discover who Jesus is, to discover his teaching, to understand the implications of his death and resurrection, and to recognize what it means to be able to follow Jesus. That's why we gather together to remind ourselves about who Jesus is and what he's done for us and that that can then inspire us and fuel us as we head out week after week after week. It's why communion is so central to us. Every week when we gather, we want to take the time to remind ourselves this is why we're here. As a church for 95 years, we wanted to focus on Jesus. That's the core of what we're all about. This year we set a goal for ourselves as we talked about being Jesus-centred that we said as a church we want to help people take their next steps in their walk with Jesus. As we talked about being Jesus-centred, we said as a church we want to be really intentional about helping everyone, regardless of where they're at in their spiritual journey, to take their next step in their walk with Jesus. Discipleship can be this really complicated thing that we kind of think all, thing, all sorts of things about. But at the end of the day, discipleship is simply about taking my next step in my walk with Jesus, recognising there's another one after that and another one after that and another one after that for the rest of the time that I'm here on the earth. And so discipleship is simply saying, what's Jesus up to right now? 
How do I center on Jesus more? How do I give more of my life to Jesus? Now, what's the next thing for me? And so as a church, that's what we've been focusing on this year is how do we recalibrate things? How do we increase our intentionality to help people take those next steps in our walk with Jesus? One of the key things that we've done with that is over the last term, we did our epic series, which was an opportunity for us to walk through God's big story so that we could again be reminded about the centrality of Jesus to that, that God's big story is really the story about Jesus coming to show us what God is like, coming to show us how to live our lives and coming to do everything necessary for us to be able to experience what God always had planned for us. And so that's been a significant thing in taking our next steps to be able to say, how do I find myself in God's story? How does God's story impact my identity, my sense of purpose, the reasons that I'm here? We've been talking about that not just in our services, but in our Wednesday night youth group and in our God's Gang kids ministry on Sundays as well, trying to help our kids and our students to be able to take their next steps in their walk with Jesus too. We've also got our small groups that have continued to operate throughout the year. I'll talk more about what we've done with our Wednesday group in a moment, but particularly our Tuesday group has been an opportunity for us to continue to take those next steps, to unpack the things that we're talking about here in our services, to be able to say, what does that mean for me? So what? What do I do with what I'm learning about Jesus? We've also had some other groups that have been connecting with each other, joining together to be able to ask that question. What's your next step? What's the next thing that's happening in your life to become more Jesus-centred? And then as well as that, we've had a couple of DNA lunches, an opportunity for new people to be able to come and find out the heart of who we are as a church and to be able to take their next steps in getting plugged into our church and getting plugged into serving as a part of our church as one of the next steps that happens in our walk together. So that's some of the stuff we've been doing this year and in a few minutes I'll talk a bit more about where we're heading as we go into the rest of this year with being Jesus-centred. But ultimately that's one of the most important things for us and when we've been a healthy, thriving church, Jesus has been front and centre for us. Unapologetically, Jesus is the reason that we're here. Secondly then, spiritual family is something that we've said is really, really important to us. And we've talked about how family, all of us have different experiences of family. All of us experience some level of dysfunction in our families. It's just some of that dysfunction is a bit more apparent in some families than it is in others. But all of us don't get to experience perfect families in our lives. But we all have a fairly good understanding about what family should be all about. And we've talked about these four really important characteristics of being a healthy family. That a healthy family is accepting. It's a place where you know that you're accepted for who you are, not for what you do. You're accepted, you belong. This is a place that's home, a place where you experience unconditional love. In a healthy family, that's what you feel. You don't have to try and be anything, you're just accepted because you're a part of the family. A healthy family is also authentic. You don't have to put on an act. You don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. You can just be yourself. And when things aren't going so well, you can say, things aren't going so well. You don't have to pretend that everything's fine when it's not going so fine. Authenticity also means that we deal with stuff when it comes up. In a healthy family, you don't just brush things under the carpet, but when issues come up, you work them through. And you say, okay, what can we learn from this? How can we be better as a family? Healthy families are also encouraging. And we've talked about the word encouragement a lot as this word that yes means being encouraged about you're doing a great job, I see this in you, that's really great. But encouragement also means about being given courage. 
being given the courage to keep going, to keep growing. And in a healthy family, there's those two things in balance. You're accepted as you are, where there's no expectation that you're going to change, but you're encouraged and challenged to be the best that you can be, which involves growing and changing. And so we work on those two things together to say you're accepted as you are, but become the best version of who you have been created to be. And then healthy families are also supportive. It's a place where you know when things fall apart, you've got people who are there for you, people who will wrap their arms around you, people who will sit with you, who will cry with you, who will be with you, not just in the good times, but in the bad times as well. So in a healthy family, we experience those things. We're accepted, we can be authentic and real and genuine, we're encouraged and we feel a sense of support. And as a church, that's what we want to be, is a spiritual version of that, a spiritual family. Now, are we going to get that right 100% of the time? Of course not, because we're all human and we make mistakes. But that's what we aspire to, is to say, how can we be a healthy family where people are accepted as they are, wherever they're at in their spiritual journey, where people are encouraged to be authentic and real and genuine and open and honest, where people are encouraged, where you leave having spent time with us feeling encouraged, feeling good about what's going on, but also feeling a sense of courage to keep going and a place where you do feel supported, that when you come, you know that there are people who will wrap their arms around you. So our goal for this year, as we talked about being spiritual family, is to grow our spiritual family. And we meant that two ways. First of all, we want to grow in terms of understanding what it means to be spiritual family, grow in our sense of connectedness with each other, and grow in our sense of being able to live those things out, but also to be able to grow numerically, to get bigger as a spiritual family. And so I'm super encouraged that the feedback that we get is that people do embrace all of these feelings. It's one of the biggest things that we hear when people come into our environment, is that it is a place where people are accepted, where people feel welcomed, where people feel like they belong. It's something that we're continuing to grow in and to live out, what it means to encourage each other and to be supportive. That's something that continues to evolve for us. But we've also seen the opportunity of us connecting with each other, especially through our shared meals that we have on Sundays. That's why they're really, really important to us on the first Sunday of the month, like we're going to do today, to be able to eat together, hang out together, spend some time together. And it's one of the things that I love the most, is being able to see this multi-generational family gather together, eat together, laugh together, hang out together. We've also started our Wednesday dinners this past term, where every second Wednesday night, we've had the opportunity to do the same thing. And again, it's so encouraging to see kids and youth, young adults, adults, older adults, I'll be careful, being able to connect and hang out and spend some time together, eating together and being spiritual family together. It's a beautiful thing to see. We also updated our directory so that we have the opportunity to have people's information and we rolled out our app so that you've got the opportunity, if you are someone who uses a smartphone, to be able to connect with people in a much simpler way. That if you think of someone else and say, oh, I, was just, I wonder how that person's doing. Or that person said that they had that thing coming up this week. Or that person said they were struggling a bit. You can give them a call. You can shoot them a text. You can send them an email and say, hey, I was thinking of you. I was praying for you. How's things going? This greater sense of us growing in what it means to be spiritual family. But we're also really encouraged that we have grown in the size of our spiritual family as well. And so uh, I wanted to check, if you have joined our church family 
since last anniversary, so since October last year, if you've started coming to Brooklyn Park since then, I want you to raise your hand. Have a look around us, have a look around. It's super, super encouraging. We keep a record of when people come for the first time as visitors, uh, and we keep records as well of people who transition into becoming a part of the life of our church. And over the last 12 months, since October last year, 18 people, don't miss that, 18 people have become a regular part of the life of our church family, which I think is something to be pretty proud of. So that's great. That's amazing. Now, not everyone's here today because that's what happens and it is the long weekend and some middle of school holidays and some people aren't well and all of those sorts of things. But that's amazing to say in the last 12 months, we've had 18 people who've said, we want to be a part of this spiritual family. And not only that, but without a doubt, the feedback that I've heard from every single one of you who's joined our spiritual family is that we are living out what we've talked about, that we are accepting, that it is a place where you can be yourself. You don't have to put on an act. It is a place where you feel encouraged. It is a place where you feel supported. And I'm so grateful that that's true about who we are. So, spiritual family. When we've been at our best as a church over the last 95 years, that's what we've lived out. That's what people have encountered with us. That's what people have sensed as they become a part of our church community. And then thirdly, seeing lives change. That ultimately we believe that if we focus on Jesus... And if we create an environment where people can connect into spiritual family, then transformation ends up happening. And that's very deliberate in terms of the way that we've talked about that. We don't say that we're a church that changes people's lives. We believe God is the one who changes people's lives. But we believe that the more that we can focus on Jesus and a healthier version of being spiritual family that we can be, the more there's a great chance that God will do the work of transformation in people's lives. And so this year we've heard some great stories about the work of transformation in people's lives. But that was actually the goal that we set for ourselves, is to share more of those stories. And it's one of the things that I have a real heart for us to be able to do. And it's something we can feel a bit uncomfortable about because no one likes talking about themselves. No one likes to get up and say, all these great things are happening in my life because we get worried that it's about pride and it's about ego and a bunch of things like that. But at the end of the day, us sharing stories about the work that God's doing in our lives are not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about reminding ourselves Jesus is at work. Jesus is active in people's lives. And it's such a massive encouragement. You know that's true. When you hear someone else talk about what God's been doing in their life, it's so encouraging. It makes you feel great about the fact that God's at work. And so we want to continue to challenge ourselves to be a community that shares stories of life change, shares stories about us becoming more Jesus-centred, shares stories of us being spiritual family and what it means for us to live that out together. So our passage that we looked at today is really, really helpful because it summarises all of those things that we've just said. It's a really great snapshot. It's at the end of the book of Romans, which is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, this amazing letter that he wrote that is so full of understanding everything that Jesus has done for us and all the implications of that. But as he gets towards the end of it, he writes these words that we've heard. Everything written in the scriptures was written to teach us in order that we might have hope through the patience and encouragement which the scriptures give us. And may God, the source of patience and encouragement, enable you to have the same point of view among yourselves by following the example of Christ Jesus, so that all of you together may praise with one voice the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Ultimately, this sums up those three statements. For us as a church, we want to keep coming back to the Scriptures. And why do we do that? Because the Scriptures show us who Jesus is. And the Scriptures show us what it means for us to be able to follow Jesus, to follow his example. That's why we come back to the Scriptures. That's why we did that series where we walked through God's big story, unpacking what the Bible is all about. Because ultimately it helps us to discover Jesus, Jesus Jesus-centred. But as we focus on Jesus, it enables us to have one voice, to stay united. That sense of unity that we crave, that sense of what does it mean for us to be spiritual family, ultimately comes because we look at Jesus. And as we individually all zoom in on Jesus, we automatically become more united. There's a sense of us all heading in the same direction because we're all focused on the same thing, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. It means that some of the peripheral stuff that we can sometimes get a bit frustrated with, some of the other things that we sometimes disagree about, can kind of just push aside because ultimately we can still stay united. We can still be spiritual family because it's all about Jesus. It's why when we take communion, we drink the cup together as a reminder that Jesus is the one who unites us. Jesus is the one who enables us to be spiritual family. And then ultimately all of that happens so that lives can be changed. And so Paul talks about it this way in terms of us growing in our hope, our patience and our encouragement. Just three beautiful ways of thinking about what life transformation looks like. Hope, having a sense of hope, having a sense of hope that God is still at work in my life and around me, that the things that I'm experiencing now are a part of God's plans and God's purposes especially in the difficult times, having a sense of hope that there is something bigger than just what I'm experiencing in the here and now. But also hope for the future, hope with what God is unfolding in the weeks and months and years ahead and our eternal hope that at the end of time we get to spend the rest of eternity with God, experiencing all that he's given for us. A sense of hope, but a sense of patience that we don't always get to experience things the way that they're supposed to be, but we can keep persevering. We can be patient. We can grow in those things. That's the work that God wants to do in us. And how does that happen? Through encouragement, through us being given courage to continue to delve into hope and patience and all the other things that God's got for us. And so this is a beautiful summary of what it looks like for us to be a Jesus-centred spiritual family who are seeing lives change. So it's good for us to reflect on the journey of where we've come from. It's good for us to talk about why we're here and what we're all about. But it's also good when we have a birthday to be able to look ahead a little bit, to be able to say, well, what's coming up next? What are the things that are on the radar? And so there's a few things that I want to mention briefly. First one is that as we continue to talk about what it means to be Jesus-centred, we're going to do a couple of things through this next term. We're going to do an Intro to Jesus course. This is probably going to be a four-week course Uh, and an opportunity just to go over the basics, to be able to discover who is Jesus, what's Jesus all about, how can we trust Jesus, what does that all mean, what's the point of the Bible, what's the point of church, how does prayer work, some of those basics that we can sometimes take for granted. And so we'll talk more about that in the next few weeks, but that's something that we're going to roll out. It'll be a great opportunity for you to be thinking about, are there people in your life that could benefit from being able to be walked through what the basics of Jesus is all about? With our youth ministry, we're going to be piloting a program that's called XP. 
And uh, this is an opportunity for us to dig into some questions about where do we find meaning? Where do we find purpose? And particularly some questions around what does happiness look like? And given how much stuff we have, why is it that so many people are so miserable? Why is it that we feel so disconnected when we've got more ways of connecting than we've ever had before? We're going to be unpacking some of those sorts of questions with the students in a pilot program as we go through this term, which is going to be really great. We obviously have Christmas coming up in a little while, and so we're going to have Back to Bethlehem, this great immersive event that happens in Mellor Park where people get to walk through the Christmas story. We've got our Christmas carols night where we have an opportunity to gather with hundreds of people from the community around us and to celebrate together. We'll have our Christmas services. We're going to have a Christmas Eve and a Christmas Day service. And so I want to encourage you to start praying now about who are people that you could potentially invite along to one or more of those events. Are there neighbours? Are there family members? Are there friends? Are there people at work that might be interested <clears throat> in finding out a little bit more about Jesus? Christmas is this really, really great time where people are curious about Jesus because that's kind of the point. And so it's a great way for us to be able to invite people. And so I would encourage you in the coming weeks to just start the process of saying, God, give me the opportunity to sense an opportunity to invite someone along. Just be open-handed that way and say, God, help me to have my spiritual radar up. And if there's someone that you would like me to invite along to one of those things, help me to have the courage to be able to do it. We're going to continue the process of talking about what we do with our amazing facility that we've got. Now that our kitchen and toilet project is finished, we want to talk about what else, what next do we want to focus on. And so as a board, we've started some of those conversations and the next key thing that we're very focused on is our car park because that obviously needs to be redone. I know some of you are like, yes, you're dead right. <laughs> uh, so we know we need to work on that and we're in the process of getting quotes about that and what that looks like. And our hope is that by the end of the year, we'll have that done. Um, but what else? What else does God want us to do as a church so that this space can be something that people from the community see as a place where there is an active church family here, but also a place that they can come and be able to do some of the things that they do as well. We'll keep talking to you about that as that rolls on. And through all of that, I want us to continue to be challenged about what it looks like to leverage the connections that we've got. That there are literally hundreds of people every week that we connect with collectively in the community around us. We have the programs that we run here, our playgroup, Sparkling Diamonds, the Netball Club, our men's shed, our food distribution, some key things where we reach out to the community. We need to keep thinking about how do we engage with those people. But we also want to just think about, as I said, who are the people in my life? Who are my neighbours? Who are the people in my family who might be interested in finding out more about a Jesus-centred spiritual family? Who are the people at work? Who are the people that I have connections with that I can look to see what God's at work in their life in doing. As we've talked about a lot over the last year, we're at this really fascinating point in time that less people than ever before possibly are involved in churches. Very few people around us do what we do on a Sunday. We live with very complex cultural realities that are particularly in the western suburbs where this melting pot of all of these different cultures which is awesome but it does bring its complexities with us. The impact of secular culture on us and the increased impact of secular culture on us and the implications of that. We've talked about how there are lots of people who don't know anything about God's story 
There's generations of people who haven't grown up in the church, who never went to Sunday school or youth group, and so they don't know the basics. They don't know anything about some of the stuff that we talk about. And in the midst of all of that, we have an epidemic of people who are struggling with mental health, anxiety, lives that feel like they're completely out of control. People around us who are struggling so much, struggling to make ends meet, struggling to find meaning, struggling to find purpose, just struggling in so many ways. So rather than seeing this as a time of doom and gloom because everyone's walked away from the church, I think we can actually see it as this amazing opportunity. Maybe God is at work in a really significant way, priming people to be able to discover the life-changing truth of his message, to discover hope, to discover purpose, to discover meaning. All of those things that we know are true about what it means to follow Jesus but so many people don't. And in the last week, I've heard three amazing stories about just random occurrences where people have bumped into someone else or someone has just showed up who said, I want to find out more about Jesus or I want to find out more about the church. So Helen was sharing with me earlier in the week that she just went for a walk earlier in the week, as she does regularly. She was out, bumped into someone else who was also on a walk and talked about how lonely and isolated she felt. And Helen was able to share how important God is to her, how important being a part of a church family is to her. And this other lady was so intrigued and she said, am I allowed to come? Is it okay for me to come and check out your church at some point? And I honestly wonder how many of those conversations are potentially available to us every single week if we'll just have our spiritual radar up. If we'll just recognise that there are lots of people like the lady that Helen bumped into who are lonely who are isolated, who are struggling, we've got the opportunity to be able to say, here's why Jesus is important to me and here's why being a part of a church family is important to me. Would you be interested in finding out more? So I want to encourage us to keep thinking about that as we move forward. My sense is that God is far from done with us as a church. We're 95, we're heading rapidly towards our 100th birthday, which we'll do in five years, which I think is going to be a really great celebration. It's a great time being able to look back. But so often, centenary services for churches are this nostalgic time of thinking back on the good old days, saying, do you remember when this church was alive and thriving and when stuff was going really well, and isn't it sad that that's not the case anymore? My sense for us is that that's not going to be what our 100th birthday is going to be like. That our 100th birthday is going to be this awesome celebration of the legacy that we've got, yes, but also an awesome celebration of stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Things that are going to unfold in the next five years. Now there are stories that we're going to tell at our centenary service about what God has done between now and then. I think we should be excited about what's going to happen, excited about what's ahead of us, excited about the possibilities that God's got as we head towards our 100th birthday. So as we wrap up our message, as we get ready to gather around the communion table, as we've done every week for 95 years, I want to leave you with one question to reflect on. And we're actually going to do something that I would like you to participate in as we do this together. We've got some pieces of paper that some of the guys are going to hand out. And on it is this question. What would I like to say is true of me this time next year? What would I like to say is true of me this time next year? next year and so you're going to get given a piece of paper and if you need a pen they have some pens that you can use as well 
And I actually want you to write something down about this. Now, some of you would know that there's a TV show that's called This Time Next Year, uh, which some of you have probably watched. It's this very inspirational show where they record someone who says, this time next year, I want to whatever. And so it may be that they want to achieve a goal, that they want to do some big life change, something that they want to move past in their life. And then they record them a year later, having achieved that. And it's so unbelievably awesome. It's a great show. I want us to do a little bit of an exercise around that, to say, this time next year, what do I want to say is true about me? As I think about where I want to be at our anniversary service next year, what do I want to say is true about me? Now, we're going to collect these up, so you don't need to write your name on it or anything like that. We're going to use this as a way of shaping us and some of the goals that we're setting and some of the things that we're going to talk about heading through the next year, because my hope my expectation is that probably there's going to be some key things that come through as themes, some key ideas that a number of us write down together. And so that will help us to be able to say, okay, we need to provide some resourcing and some equipping around that. So here's a few ideas of the sorts of things that you might write down. You might say, by this time next year, I want to read my Bible more regularly or more intentionally. I've always wanted to read the Bible a little bit more. I've always wanted to read this book of the Bible. I've always wanted to get into this a little bit more. So it may be that there's something that's related to Bible reading for you. It may be something related to prayer. This time next year, I hope that I feel more connected to God. I hope that I have regularly spent time with God each day or multiple times each week. Each morning, each evening could be something related to just a greater, deeper sense of relationship with God. It could be about journeying together. You might say, by this time next year, I really hope that I've got two or three other people that are a part of our church family who I'm meeting with on a regular basis to be able to talk about what's going on in my life, to be able to talk about what I'm learning, to be able to talk about what it means for me to take my next steps in my walk with Jesus. It could be related to that. It could be related to what I said before. I hope that by this time next year, this neighbour or this family member or this friend or this person at work has started becoming a part of our church family. Or, for some of us, it might be the reality to say, I don't have any connections with anyone like that. And so by this time next year, I hope I know my neighbours better. Or I hope that I have had a conversation with my family member that I've been putting off for a long time. It could be about inviting someone along to discover a little bit more about who we are as a church. Or it could be something that's completely unrelated to any of those things, and it could be something completely different. So what I'm going to do is give you a couple of minutes to be able to just pray and process that. I know some of you have already done it, which is great. Um, but Ali's going to play something. And I encourage you just to pause, be able to say, by this time next year, when we get to our anniversary service next year, what's one thing that I really hope I can say is true about me? Because the reality is for us as a church, we will only grow and move forward as we grow and move forward individually. Each one of us has to take our next steps in our walk with Jesus in order for us as a church to collectively take our next steps in our walk with Jesus. So take some time, write something down, and uh, once you're finished, pass it along to the end of the rows and uh, we'll collect those up. So as you finish, if you want to just pass them along, and if you're not quite finished, that's okay. You can do that over the next couple of minutes as well, and uh, we'll have... Some of you guys, if you want to go and collect those, that would be excellent. And I'm going to pray. Thanking God for the way in which he has been faithful to us. 
um, but this recognition that God is far from done with us. And uh, my sense, as I was just standing there, is that in some ways it's kind of like uh, those of us who have the privilege of being parents and have kids who have birthdays. Uh, there are times when we kind of just stop and recognise where they're at, recognise how amazing they are, recognise the potential that they've got, or we're so proud of the people that they are. And my sense is that that's what God is saying to us this morning. That as God, our Heavenly Father, looks down on us as a church, He's so proud of who we are. He's so proud of the journey that we've been on. He's so proud of the last 95 years. But He also sees the potential that's in us. And He can see what's coming. And He can see all of the things that are coming ahead. And He's really excited to be able to see those things unfold. So I'm going to pray and thank God for all of that. And then we'll transition into communion. God, we know that we're in here as a church because of you. And ultimately, it's your faithfulness to us through generations, not just the generations of our church, but the generations of the church with a capital C. That's the only reason that we're here. And so we are grateful for generation upon generation upon generation of people who have continued to put their trust in you, Jesus, continue to pass on the amazing life-changing message of all that you have done for us. We're grateful for the legacy that we have as a church. We're grateful for those faithful people who gathered in the Arthur's home in 1924 with a vision of being able to establish a church that could make a difference in this community. And we're grateful that now, 95 years later, we have so many stories, literally thousands of people who've been touched by our church. But we also recognise that you're not done with us, that you're clarifying who we are, that you're sharpening us, that you're helping us to understand more and more about how we can be the best, healthiest church that we can be in this place where you've got us. And so our heart and our desire is that you would continue to lead us. Jesus, ultimately, this is your church. We follow you together. And so our prayer is that you would continue to lead us where you want us to go, that as we head into another year of life together, you would continue to take us into the places you want us to be. You would help us to connect with the people you want us to connect with, and that ultimately you would do the work of transformation in our lives and the lives of those around us and the community around us that only you can do. Help us to continue to be centred on you. Help us to be the best version of spiritual family that we can be. But help us to have the privilege of seeing lives change. Our own lives, and the lives of those that are on our hearts, the lives of the people in the community. We know that you know exactly what's happening for every person in every neighbourhood around us right now in this moment. And your desire for transformation in their lives is so much greater than even what we can imagine. And so we pray that you would just continue to lead us where it is that you want us to go. In your name we pray. Amen.